If you weren't here last week or if you're visiting, um, just so you have a sense of what we're doing is last week, this week, and next week, we're, we're, looking, at, we're looking at things through the eyes of Matthew, one of the gospel writers. From his perspective, from his corner, we're just taking a look. And, and last week we looked at the call that is placed upon us, the call that was on Jesus and the call that Jesus placed on us. And this week we'll be looking upon the work of Jesus and the work that is placed upon us. And next week we'll move forward from there. But last week when we looked at Jesus' call, we took a moment and realized that he sees us. That he really sees us. He knows who we are. He knows where we've been. He knows where we're going. He knows what we're up to. He knows us. And that despite that, he still comes to us with incredible grace. He comes to us with mercy and steadfast love. As we said last week, hesed is the Hebrew word. That Jesus' calling was to bring the grace and mercy of God to us. And then in that calling, we recognize that he passes that calling on to us as well. That we are called to extend grace and mercy to others. That was last week, and we were looking at all of it through the eyes of Matthew. Matthew, who was a tax collector. Matthew, who wasn't loved by anyone. And yet, grace had entered into his life through Jesus. And so we couldn't help but look at it from his perspective and see that call that now was on his heart that is passed on to ours to be grace-filled with others. This week, we get to look at the work, what it looks like to extend that grace. We get to look at it from the eyes of Matthew and, and see what that work looks like and, and to observe as Matthew observed and thereby see what work is before us. And so we're going to read this morning from Matthew's gospel, the ninth chapter, the 35th verse, and we're going to move right into the 10th chapter, and we're going to get a view of that work. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, may you guide us through your word. May your spirit fill us. May we be given ears to hear and hearts to understand. And more than that, O oh Lord, may you move within us to change us all the more to follow you. We pray all this, Jesus, through your precious word. Amen. So Matthew writes this, he says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them 
because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay, give without pay. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are three things that Matthew passes along to us. He passes along to us motive, message, and malady. Motive, message, and malady. Now, if you're like me, you can't help but read that and, and wonder, is it still true? The malady piece starts popping up right away. You think about all those who are sick and, and broken, those who've died, and, and, and those who are possessed by demons and, and the, the lepers, and, and start to wonder, can we do that? Can we be part of that and immediately you wonder if that was only for a special time or or whether we can really trust that that happens and, and we kind of get lost in wanting to see that all come together and and work and and wonder when it doesn't is it that we don't have enough faith or or what's the problem why isn't it happening we get caught in that ends we're no different than all the crowds that rushed to Jesus, hoping that maybe he could take care of their loved one or their friend. And, and, and we want to see all that happen, and, and we get lost in the results. So I want to remind you and ask you to see what Matthew is calling us to see, that the picture is bigger that he gives us Jesus' motive. He gives us Jesus' message. 
And yes, we look at the maladies. Jesus' motive is quite striking. We're told that um, he's going throughout the countryside, through villages, and he's all over the place, and he's, he's going everywhere. And the crowds gather to him. But when he sees the crowds, he sees that they are harassed and helpless. Isn't that what we see in the world around us? When we stop and look at the world as it spins and everything that is happening, don't we just shake our heads and wonder who will help us? How we seem left adrift without help? How many times do we feel powerless when things happen, not only in town, but out in the larger state or in the nation or across the globe? We hear news reports and feel absolutely helpless, harassed and helpless. Jesus' motivation is that he sees how harassed and helpless we all are. You know, it's funny, this morning um, as we left to come here, I was putting stuff in the car, and I looked behind the car, and, and I saw the tiniest little bird sitting right there in the driveway. You know, little birds, they kind of land in different places, and, and you kind of walk towards them, they fly off. This one didn't. And the more I looked, it was tiny, really small. And at that moment, one of my children told me, oh, that's right, mom said that there was a little bird that seems to have flown out of the nest and, and the dog tried to get it and, 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 and had the dog had it. And then Suzanne chased it. But so here we are seeing the story still, this little one in the driveway behind my car. How am I going to get to church? And so there we were, trying to help this little one along, walk close to it, make it move forward a little bit. And that's not what would happen. Every time we walk close, that bird stood its ground. But we got dive bombed by mom and dad. <laughs> again and again. We heard their chirping, but anytime we got close, they flew down and it didn't matter how big we were or how many of us they were at. That little one, harassed and helpless, mom and dad to the rescue, no matter how overwhelming the odds. I kind of feel that was a gift from God because it certainly wasn't in the sermon earlier this week. Jesus looked at the crowds that were coming to him for help, and he saw that they were harassed and helpless. He saw the bigger picture that we live in a world marred by sin, by all the different decisions that are running against God's grain, and, and we're just, we're helpless. And it goes on to describe, he looked at us like it, it was similar to, and he uses a description that the, the, the people that time could understand. It was like a whole bunch of sheep without a shepherd. 
without anyone to guide them. You know, there was a, a mission trip that I went on yearly to a place called Psalm 23 Camp in West Virginia. And one of the joys of that camp, besides all the work we did, is that uh, the person who ran the camp had his doctorate in animal husbandry from University of Wisconsin, and he used to teach there. But now he was back in West Virginia doing the family farm, raising the sheep, and he would give us lessons on sheep. He'd show us how to work the sheep dog in all the different directions. It was cool. But he also explained to us how sheep are really dumb. And so Jesus was saying, you're really dumb, all of us. We need a shepherd. We need someone to guide us, help us, and direct us. He says, you know, sheep can go into a pasture and see it's all green and lush with grass, but the shepherd knows that's not good grass. The shepherd knows that the flock has recently been there and that that's still full of parasites and that we need to be in another place because that's not safe. The shepherd knows. Jesus looked at everyone coming and he saw us as, a, as sheep without a shepherd. That the religious guiding of the time wasn't cutting it. That people had still drifted away and were still not sure of who God was. As much as they worshiped God, they didn't know. How much might that be true for us yet today? Harassed and helpless. His motivation in coming, his motivation for the work is recognizing the need. And so then he brought the message. And the message was very clear. The message was that he was bringing the good news. It's written often as the gospel, but gospel is good news. The good news of the kingdom of God. God has come to change it all. He sent his son, Jesus. All those efforts we do, all the things we try to make right, and then we fall back into the same patterns. He sent Jesus to free us from our sins. Jesus embodied the message. Jesus was coming and proclaiming everywhere he went. He wasn't just healing people. He was coming and proclaiming that God was bringing in God's good news. That the mercy of God, the grace of God was before us. That good news. When he lines up the 12 and sends them out, he sends them out, he sends them out to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near. God's kingdom is upon us, coming upon us. We feel that difference between heaven and earth, that difference between what should be and what is. And Jesus' message is, oh, it's near. The grace is now before you. The love of God for you, despite, oh, all the things we can fill in despite. All the struggles and all the strains. All the many times we wonder if God could really love us. And Jesus was going throughout the countryside. And notice where he was going. He was going into the synagogues. The very places of worship. He was going to those who were most ready and most eager, ready to hear. 
that God's kingdom was now upon us. We in the church carry a message, a message that God's love is there for people. How sad it is when we do not carry that message. When people encounter judgment from us instead of the mercy and grace, the message of God's love is now our burden to carry to others. Which gets us to the maladies. Jesus gives the 12 the authority. And did you notice the maladies? To heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the leper? Did you hear those? I've been there. I've been there when a congregation has gotten up out of its pew and and prayed over someone who has cancer and doesn't have long to live. And then marveled with that same faith community as we went several years still having that person among us. I've been there when the person has dramatic heart disease and is going in for a heart procedure and yet the congregation was praying and when they went in to do the operation there was no longer an issue many of us have stories as this where we we are dumbfounded we can't give explanation for what is as well as we have a host of stories in which we were faithful and we prayed earnestly and nothing different happened But notice the maladies, the sick. To come among those of us who are sick, to be in prayer with, to carry, to walk alongside. To raise the dead. I mean, I can't give testimony to having done that. Can you? And yet nothing is impossible for God. But I have been with many people who feel like they're at the end, who feel like they've gone past that point in which it's all lost and nothing can get better. I've been with those through whom Christ has, has resurrected in a manner of speaking from an old life and brought them into a new life. We carry a powerful message, a message of God's love that can change and transform anyone. How about the leper? The leper was the social outcast, the skin disease, fearful that anybody else could get it. And think about how many people in our lives that we know that are the social outcast. To associate with them might be to get involved in the same things they're involved in. Those societal things in which we've said, we write that person off. They're too far gone. Jesus has come for them. 
with his mercy and his grace. Think back just us last week with Matthew, the tax collector, every reason to write him off, and yet he's one of our gospel writers. As we gather this morning to worship God, we worship a God who can change lives. And that last malady, to cast out demons. We live in a broken world. We live in a world marred with sin. We live in a world where evil is real. And to talk about demons and devils would leave us feeling like people are going to think we're odd and off. But we all know what it's like, whether in our own lives or in the lives of others, to deal with those things that feel out of our control. Those items in our lives where we feel powerless, like somehow we cannot overcome, no matter how many times we try, we fall again. Jesus is the only one who can truly free us. Jesus is the only one who can free the ones we love and know and make new life. I suspect there are many of you who could tell me stories of people you knew that were running one path and there seemed to be no way that that would ever change. And yet somehow God got a hold of them. And now they're running a very different life. The message of God's love, his forgiveness, and his grace, let's not lose track of the work that it is. The motive is that of love, seeing that we're harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And the message is that God has good news, good news that he sent his son Jesus to free us from everything, to free us from all our sins to proclaim release to the prisoner. And so let's not be afraid of the maladies that we encounter in others and even in one another. Because through Jesus, in God's time, and for God's purposes, these two can be overcome. That work was not Jesus' alone. He looked around and he said, the harvest is plentiful. We understand that. We live in Hamilton. But the laborers, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that there might be more laborers. That's us. We've been called into the field We've been called into the work to pray, to work alongside God, to work alongside those who are sick and hurting and feel like life is done and over, like they've played their last dice roll on the game and board of life and don't think they can do any better. 
We know what it is and can know what it is to be with those who've been written off by everyone else. Those who feel like they can never overcome and might as well give up. Those are the ones to whom we're called to walk and work alongside in the name of Jesus. There's plenty of work out there for us to do. Let's pray. Almighty God, may you guide us into your work. And may you give us the strength and your authority to do so. For the work looks overwhelming and we think of only Jesus being able to do. But help us, O Lord, to work in the name of Jesus and for his purposes. We know that we don't always know your will, when you will heal and when you will let be. We know that your servant Paul even suffered with a thorn in his side, but knew that your grace was sufficient. Help us, O Lord, to be faithful and to enter into the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. Amen.